week we are starting a brand new series called NLC Heroes, where we look at ordinary people that have done some extraordinary things. And to get us kicked off this week, I wanted to introduce you to Emily Miller, who's been a part of our church um, for a while. In fact, Emily, how many years have you been a part of Next Level Church? I've been with Next Level just a little over five years now. Five years. So you were with us when we were in the movie theater over at the Bell Tower. <laughs> oh, yeah. And a lot's happened in the last five years. Can you describe for us what your life was like when you started coming to Next Level Church? When I started coming to Next Level Church, uh, my husband just walked out. I've been uh, drinking and drugging daily, and um, my life was pretty much a mess. Wow. And so through a course of even years, God started to do a healing in your life, started to change your life completely. And then as a result of that healing, you started to serve. What are some of the areas that you've been involved in at Next Level Church? Um, currently, I'm with NLC Kids, second and third grade. Um, I've served connection groups, community activities, and pretty much whenever the phone rings. Emily's the, the kind of lady that anytime we do anything, she is always there to serve. And um, it's been neat to see your story because it was a while ago um, that you met a family that started to change everything for you. Can you tell us the story? I'm Say in 2007, I went to the NLC block party, and um, that I was about six months sober at the time, and I was doing garbage detail, picking up little wrappers uh, and stuff, and I was coming across baggies, just praying over them, knowing what the neighborhood was and what those baggies actually meant. Uh-huh. And um, later on, the next year came along, and uh, I figured I was going to do the same thing, and I was asked to be on the prayer team, and I said, you know, kind of like, who, me? And um, I went ahead, and I walked up to the first person and just asked him, can I pray with you? And I went to the next person. Next thing you know, I had this lady in front of me, and she says, oh, by all means, I need prayer. And when we got done, she gave me her phone number, and she asked me, will you be my friend? She says, I need a friend. Wow. So that's how our friendship started. I love it that it's, we, I think we overcomplicate things too often when it comes to starting to give and serve someone else and to think that what this lady needed most was a friend. But through that friendship, you started to to recognize some needs that she had in her own life and her own family. What were some of those things? Um, She's a single mom, four kids, um, a father that's very ailing. And um, when I made a few phone calls, then I went to visit her the first time and I realized the couch had phone books shoved underneath there that they were in desperate need of some furniture. So um, I had some help getting some very reasonable furniture and we got that over to her. Um, And And then, yeah, and then you got closer and the the relationship developed and you started to realize there were some needs with the Mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. Uh, It took a little while for her to open up and let me know that back in the bedrooms, the kids honestly didn't have beds either. So um, through other people here in NLC, I mean, I just started asking around everybody. Somebody has to have some mattresses, some beds that they didn't need, and uh, other people here in the congregation help. Incredible. And so you've been able to develop this relationship. You've been able to to start to find out some of these needs, start to meet some of these needs, start to network through other people. Because in the big picture, Emily, it's not as, and I know the situation, you're not in a position to write a blank check that can just say, I'm going to meet every need this family has. No, I'm not. Not at all. (laughs) But I also know that that you pray a prayer every day. And can you share that with us as you shared it with me? Yes. Um, My prayer always is, my number one prayer is that I always have something to eat and something to share with somebody because my means are very small. Did Did you catch that? 
her daily prayer is, Lord, that I could have something to eat and something to share with somebody. I'm, I am hoping that what you are seeing today is God is looking for someone like Emily that we're not waiting for when my, when my life is together someday, then I'm going to start to give back. When I have a certain level of income, then my life is going to give back. And to think that God has used you and to use your heart in saying, God, just give me enough to eat today and then something I can give back to somebody else. And I don't know how you define that, but let me tell you how I define it. That's a hero to me. And to think that God has used you. And there's a lesson that every single one of us in this room can learn of. So Emily, we honor you today as our NLC hero. Can we say thank you? Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to NLC Heroes Part 1. Wow. I don't know about you, but I am fired up. I am inspired. And the reason why is because as we launch into our fall semester of Connection Groups, as we launch into this NLC Heroes series, guys, listen, what we hope to do over the next four weeks is to redefine this idea of what it means to be a hero. And so each week we want to tell stories like the Emily Miller story where we can just inspire one another and push one another on because a couple of weeks ago, if you were here, you remember talking about the fa- us talking about the fact that we believe God has positioned us, Next Level Church, to lead in our community, to set the example, to set the pace, to push our community forward, to begin to lift our community, one home, one individual, one story, one family, one neighborhood, one community at a time. And it's people like Emily Miller that hopefully will inspire so many people just like us that we'll start to see ourselves differently. Because the reality is for a lot of us, we don't see ourselves as heroes, do we? I mean, we look at our life and we go, no, 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 man, you don't understand. I'm just an ordinary person. I'm just an ordinary guy. I'm just, a, just an ordinary woman who goes to my job and does what I do and sure. But see, here's, here's our hope for this series. Our hope is that as we look into the pages of the Bible, that you and I will begin to see that Jesus finds a, defines a hero way different than we do. Because we think of a hero as someone who does the impossible. But what we begin to discover today in the story we're going to look at in a minute is that being a hero is not about doing what's impossible. Being a hero is about seeing what's possible and doing that. And if that's true, then it's possible for every one of us who are a part of Next Level Church to be heroes. So if you brought your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5. The book of Luke, chapter 5, and if you don't have your Bible, the verses will be on the screen around me, and you can follow along there, because in Luke, chapter 5, we find the story of a group of people who were, for all intents and purposes, a connection group. They were a, a small group, a group of friends, a group of guys. And these guys were heroes, but here's the thing. They didn't start out as heroes. They didn't set out on the day of this story To be heroes, they just set out to do something that they imagined could be possible. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 17, because in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, we find this connection group, this small group of friends who 
turn out to be heroes. Let's look at it together. Verse 17 says this. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Let me kind of backfill the story a little bit. Basically, Jesus is in the prime of his ministry, that he finds himself at this place where his fame has spread, that Jesus' teachings are no longer a marginal thing. He's not just kind of with the outcasts anymore and kind of this rogue rabbi teacher guy who's out there. The fame of Jesus has spread. And so everywhere Jesus goes, there is like this mob thing going on. So Jesus finds himself in this little village, and he's in this house, another gospel records, and he's got people like crammed out all over in this house. I mean, there's, there's religious teachers, there's Pharisees, people, there's, there's sick people, there's, there's, you know, outcasts. Everybody has gathered, and they're not just in the house. This place is bursting at the scenes. You got people looking through the windows, you got people looking through the doors. I mean, they're like 50 deep kind of a thing, trying to, to get a glimpse of Jesus, trying to get close to Jesus. It goes on, it says, they come from every village, from Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. And then look at this statement, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So not only would Jesus teach people, but as, a, as an integral part of Jesus' ministry, he would teach, and then the, the Spirit of the Lord would come on him, and then he would heal people, that he'd pray for the sick, and they'd get well, and the miraculous, and signs and wonders, the Bible would call it, would, would follow Jesus' teaching. So here he is in this house, picture the scene, crammed in. I mean, just people just bursting at the scenes, religious teachers, Pharisees, sick people, marginalized people, you name it, this place was packed out. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Enter the heroes. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, unfortunately, this story provides more questions for us than answers. Because we don't know a lot about these guys. Mark, in in his gospel, records that there were four of them, plus the paralyzed guy. So there's a total of five in the group. And we don't, we don't know who they were. We don't know what village they came from. We don't know, uh, you know, if they had come from far away. We don't know if they were close by. Uh, we, don't, we don't know if these guys were day laborers. We have no idea who these guys are. All we know is they have heard that Jesus has come to their village, and they have a friend who has a need, the lame man, the paralyzed guy. And so we find this group of people, and, and this, this group of guys that we, we don't know much about. Like, we don't know whose plan it was. Who thought of the idea? And how far in advance did they think about it? Like, did they know the night before? Like, did you know, were they like walking through the drugstore and like, oh, look, Barnum and Bailey Circus and Jesus. Hey, Jesus is coming. Sweet. Quick, go get Jedediah, you know, the lame guy. Let's go tell him. Like, do they know? I don't know. Do they? I mean, how did, did they know the night before? Was this like a morning of? They're like, what? Jesus is in our town? We have no idea. We have more questions than answers. Who, who thought of the plan? Did the lame guy think of the plan? Was he like, you know, I heard that Jesus is coming, you guys. Uh, you guys think you could drag me <laughs> to him? That is some crazy rain, isn't it? That's going to make the latter part of this story really, really fun when we talk about ripping roofs off because this is going to get exciting. So, so there they are. The lame guy, the four friends, we don't know whose plan it was. We don't know how they felt about it. Was it like one guy who had a good idea and he, like, he convinced all the other guys? 
Or was it four, group, four guys, four friends who had known this guy for a long time? Did they go to school together? Maybe they went to school together and this guy got hurt on the football team. Maybe this guy had been like this since childhood. Maybe, he, maybe they were workmates. And this guy had gotten hurt at work. And so every day these day laborers would take a portion of their income and they would give it to their friends so that he could have food. At any rate, all we know is here's this small group of, of guys who didn't set out to be heroes, who, who didn't set out to, to get a story written about them in the Bible. All we know is there's a group of guys who knew that Jesus had come to town and they had a friend in need. And so can't you imagine it? They bend down, they're like, all right, Jedediah, listen up. Jesus is here. Was he embarrassed? Like, was he like, no, guys, come on. Like, how far did they have to carry this? If you've ever tried to carry like 150 or 200 pounds of dead weight, any distance, this is ridiculously hard. They're like, come on, man, we're going to grab your cot. Can you see? He's like, no, guys, no, 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 it's too much. We got to go across town. town. There's going to be like a chariot. We can't get in the way. We might get hit. You know what I mean? How do, we don't know. But at any rate, the friends pick him up. Every guy grabs a corner and they carry their friend. Could have been a tenth of a mile, could have been several miles to get to Jesus. It was awkward. It was hard. It was time consuming. Did they have to take off a of work? If they had to take off a of work, then they would not be paid that night. There would be no food. What kind of sacrifice did these guys have to make? But at any rate, the Bible records that they did and they pick up their lame man. And they carry him, these four guys carry him. Imagine what it must have felt like when they rounded the corner to the house where they had heard Jesus was, only to see crowds of people, other people who were sick, other people who were lame, other people who were hurting, religious people, Pharisees. They round the corner and they look and they're just 50 deep out of this house. Imagine what they must have felt like in that moment. Did they want to give up? Did the lame guy want to give up? Was he like, no, guys, forget it, forget it. Apparently, these guys didn't know that when Chick-fil-A opens a new restaurant, you're allowed to spend the night the night before to get the free chicken. They round the corner, and the lame guy's like, man, no nuggets for us. So there they stand. Lay. Lay. Did they want to stop? Did they, did, they, did they get discouraged? Did they want to give up? Did one of the guys start to survey the house and look around at the crowds and see the other people and start thinking to himself, okay, okay, guys, don't, don't shoot me down too quick. But, okay, see, see that hill? See how it leads up behind to the top? What if we could get him on the roof. Imagine, the other friends are like, hey, have you lost your mind? What are we going to do once we get lame guy on the roof? They're probably thinking, you're crazy. Stop it. We missed out. It's over. We didn't spend the night. We don't have a tent. We didn't have a good enough plan. We're missing out. And who are we to cut in line? Even if we could get on the roof and we do something up there, what would we do? And what gives us the right to think that we have the ability to cut in front of all these others of hundreds of people standing to get a glimpse with Jesus? So there they are. They're 
lame man, this friend in need, this person who is hurting and paralyzed, in need of a miracle, and a savior too far away to touch. And somehow, they convinced each other that the roof plan was probably a good one. Look at verse 19. When they could not find a way to get this guy in front of Jesus because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. What? What? See, like we read this, like some of us remember like flannel graph back in Sunday school and it was like, oh, they just opened the roof and let him in. How did they do that? Okay, these are not roofs like we have roofs, okay? Imagine you got a house full of people, one of them being Jesus, by the way. And you get to the place in like the mud and the thatch and the tile where you can hear Jesus right below you and you're like, Start digging. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And they're whipping tiles. Imagine being down in the house. There's mud falling. You're like taking cover. And by the way, as a person who stands in front of a lot of people and talks a lot, this is kind of distracting. We have three years to listen to every word Jesus teaches, and you guys are going to rip a roof off in the middle of the message? This is crazy. Well, no, don't, we don't read this. We don't see this. Dude, we're like, oh, look, they carried him up on the roof and they lowered him down. No, dude, this is a ridiculous plan. <laughs> but they did it. They went to extreme measures. Why? Because they had a friend who was in need. They had a friend who was paralyzed. They had a friend who desperately needed a touch from Jesus, who desperately needed a miracle. And so it was worth it to them. I mean, was there ever a moment where like the Pharisees are yelling up, stop it, <laughs> you're unclean and you're making us dirty, now get away. Like what, at what point was Jesus not like, okay, guys, 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 stop, you win. Just we'll make an aisle, just come down. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't stop them. He wants everyone surrounded to see these guys' faith. So they lower him down. How long does it take to dig a hole in a roof big enough to put a man through? And they lower him down. Coming down. (laughs) They lower him down. Look what happens. Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, He looks at the lame man and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Read it again. Did you see that? When Jesus saw the lame man's faith, no, 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 no. Look what it says. When Jesus saw their faith, the guys sticking their heads through the roof watching this, when he saw their faith. He went into miracle mode. It was the faith of the friends that brought about the meeting of the need. And so Jesus looks at the lame man and he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, the minute he starts talking about forgiveness of sins, 
the religious people freaked. Check it out. Verse 21, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves. They didn't even say it out loud. They were just thinking it. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love this. Look, verse 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking. I love it. Don't you love that? He's like, hey, what you thinking that for? Stop it. I tell you to shut your mouth, but you ain't even open your mouth. Stop thinking that. And then Jesus is like, I'm, it's about to get nutty. Check it out. Jesus knew. He's like, stop thinking that in your hearts. Verse 23. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? But, and this is Jesus just going like, whoopsh, whoopsh, whoopsh. look. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's like, healing somebody, that's easy. Forgiven sin, that's a whole nother deal altogether. And everybody, all the religious crowd in the room was like, oh, that's right, that's right. And so he's like, you know what? I want you to know just how powerful I am, that that my grace, that my love, my compassion, my forgiveness goes all the way out to the sin condition of a heart. He says, so just to prove it to you, I'm going to heal this guy. Look, so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Verse 25. Immediately he stood up in front of them. He stood up in front of them. Took what he had been lying on. And went home. Praising God. And can't you see those duffers sticking their head through the roof? It worked! Whoa! It worked! Look, 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 verse 26. Everyone was amazed and started praising God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The entire crowd was captivated. The entire crowd began to just break into this just outlandish applause and praise to God. Why? Because there had been a man who was paralyzed, who was lame, who without the friendship of those guys around him would have never received his miracle, would have never had his need met. But because of the faith of those guys who were willing to rip a roof off and lower their friend down and not take no for an answer, God did a miracle and the whole town was witness to it. See, these guys understood something that I hope each and every one of us listening today can grab a hold of and understand. There is something ridiculously heroic and ridiculously powerful about together about doing life together, about being in relationship with one another, about positioning ourselves in a small group of people like this with a common purpose and a common interest and a common goal. There is something heroically powerful when we do life together. So if you want to take notes in your bulletin, there are five things I want us to notice about the heroic power of together. Number one, Notice that these guys experienced something together that they never could have experienced alone. These guys experienced something together that they never could have alone. Like forever, they had the best party story ever, didn't they? And people are like, hey, this one time, this one time, they're like, so Jesus comes to town. What up? (laughs) Like they could trump anybody's story. They're like, no, seriously, we ripped the roof off. Ripped the roof off? It was awesome. God healed him. It was great. 
forgave him of his sin. See, listen. At Next Level Church, we believe that true life change is found in together. When you and I position ourselves like these guys in the story, we set ourselves up to experience something in God that we could experience no other way. And I'll go so far as to say this, you guys. I believe, I believe that there are some things that God wants to do in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our hearts, in our workplaces that we will never be able to experience until we strategically place ourselves in this place of together. See, our faith is ridiculously individual, but our faith is lived out together. And these guys experience something together that they never could have any other way. Number two, if you're taking notes, notice that they endured personal sacrifice in order to get it. They endured personal sacrifice in order to get it. It was no small deal to get this guy to Jesus. If you want the free chicken, you gotta be there early, baby. And these guys understood that. They understood that it's going to come with personal sacrifice. And listen, as a church, we understand that if we're going to begin to lead our community out of this funk that we find ourselves in, it's going to require sacrifice. If we're going to lead our neighbors out of the desperate places that they find themselves in, guys, listen, it's going to require personal sacrifice on our part. To be a hero like Emily Miller requires sacrifice. To make a difference in the communities downtown that we're believing God's calling us to lift. It's going to require sacrifice. It's hard to be a part of a connection group this fall. It's going to cost us something. It's going to require personal sacrifice. Yes, you're going to have to rearrange your schedule a little bit. Yes, but, but listen, that's what I love about interest-based connection groups. We've got so many groups going, guys, there's something for everybody. Will it cost us something? You betcha. But think of the potential payout. The potential payout is is life change. The potential payout is the miraculous showing up in our life or the life of someone else. The potential payout is being closer and in better relationship with God than we've ever been before. Notice that they experienced something together they never could have alone. Number two, it cost them something. But notice number three, that they pushed through the awkwardness. They pushed through the awkwardness. Listen. When you rip a roof off of a house with hundreds of people in it, one of them being Jesus, there's only one word for that. Awkward. That is awkward. I'm just telling you, that is awkward. And these guys had to push through the awkwardness to be able to experience the heroic power of together. See, here's what I think. I think that there are so many good things that God wants to do in so many of our hearts, but so many of us miss it. Why? Because we're not willing to push through the necessarily awkward phase, are we? It's hard. Think about it. It's like in a relationship, like those first few dates, it's awkward. It's hard. Yes. It's, 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 you know, it's leaving your kid in the nursery. The first few Sundays, it's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to die. Okay, they're not going to die. They're going to be happy, and we just got to push through it, right? I mean, think about it. Like when you start a diet plan or a weight loss program or a fitness exercise thing, there's a necessarily awkward period, and these guys had to push through that awkwardness. 
These guys had to push through that awkward phase of going, we don't care if there's a whole bunch of people watching us while we're ripping a roof to shreds. We don't care. We're willing to push through the awkwardness. Why? Because the need is great enough and getting that need before the face of Jesus is worth it. And these guys were willing to do that. Is there a necessarily awkward phase in this? Sure. But the thing I love about the interest-based philosophy of, of small groups here at Next Level that we have is that there's like, a, there's like an awkwardness meter. Okay, guys, we have a Boston sports connection group. You know what they do? They get together and watch Red Sox games and Patriots games. So if you're interested in that, there's nothing awkward about that. Until the pastor shows up in his Tampa Bay Rays gear. What's up now? What's up now? That's awkward. That's awkward. That's right. And I ain't leaving. I ain't leaving. (laughs) Number four. Notice, the collective faith inspired others. Their collective faith as a group, as a small group, inspired other people. Did you see it in the story? The whole place went bananas when this guy got up from his cot and started walking out. He went running through the town, praising God. And everybody's like, hey, isn't that, you know, lame Jedediah? What's that boy doing running around? The whole town was turned upside down. Why? Because these guys experienced the heroic power of together. And their collective faith inspired other people. And that's what I love about this idea of interest-based connection groups. That's what I love about being a part of a strategic service group that goes downtown. That's what I love. But you know what? There are some people who are in our workplaces. There are people who are in our neighborhoods or in our schools who have no interest in coming to an environment like this on a Sunday morning. They're like, nah, I don't do church. And the building would fall in anyway. And then the state of Florida would be mad at me. Okay, listen. But they will go to a Euchre group. They will go to a Red Sox group. They will go to a Friday morning business leaders group. They will go to a stay-at-home moms group. These are exactly those environments where people look on and they go, holy smokes, you guys aren't weird. You Christians aren't what I thought. Exactly. See, their collective faith inspired others. And finally, number five, notice that they changed their life forever. Together. They changed a life forever together the end result of their collective efforts was life change this guy's life was forever changed why because of the heroic power of together think of it is it possible that there are some people in our world whose path to life change starts at the Euchre group? Is it possible that there are some people in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our school, in our home, and their path to life change starts in a fitness group, starts in a soap group, starts in a business leaders group, starts in a mom's group? Is it possible that there are some of us whose path to life change starts when we connect? Is it possible that there are some children living in Palmetto Courts this morning or Sable Palms or South Winds 
whose path to life change starts by you and I going to nextlevelchurch.com and signing up for a strategic service connection group. To go down there one Saturday a month, two Saturdays a month, and start investing in kids and loving on kids and hugging on kids and telling them they're not forgotten. But telling them we believe in them and that their life can be different because of Jesus. Is it possible that somebody's caught and gets carried because of a decision you and I make in the next three minutes? Think of the implications, guys. Think of the implications for our home. Think of the implications for our lives. Think of the implications for our church. Think of the implications for our neighborhoods, for our workplaces, for our schools. Think of the implications for our city. If hundreds and hundreds of us today would tap into the heroic power of together. God's calling us to lead. God's calling us, each one of us, to be heroes. And it starts with together. So here's my question. Whose cot are you carrying? And who's carrying your cot? Whose cot are you carrying? Where are you and I being intentional about the relationships that we place ourselves in? Where, where are you and I being intentional about the heroic power of together? Whose cot are you carrying? There are people in your, in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence, who desperately need you to carry their cot. But I also recognize that there are many of us listening today who find ourselves laying on a cot like this lame man. There's some of us today right now and you are going through the trial of your life. And you're facing a situation that looks bleak, that looks impossible. And if I could say anything to you today, I would say this, you are not alone. Don't try and go after this thing alone. Don't try and survive this thing alone. We need each other. We as human beings were never created to just be an island in and of ourselves. We were created for community we were created to have other people lift up a corner of our cot and carry us to Jesus together and if you're here today and you need a touch from God you need a miracle like this lame man needed a miracle maybe it's financial maybe it's relational maybe it's it's in your career maybe it's with your home I, I don't know what miracle you need maybe it's in a mindset or an addiction I don't know where you're at today but if you need a miracle I want you to know that Jesus is here we're going to pray right now that he's going to come and touch you at the point of your knee. So all across this room, can we bow our heads just for a moment because the Spirit of God is here. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray. But if you're that person, you're that man, that woman who's going through a situation and you got everybody fooled maybe and maybe you've never told anybody, I want to pray for you that God the same God of the Bible that healed this man and forgave him of his sin would forgive you and would touch you and would heal you and intervene in your situation today. If that's you, across this room, I'm not going to embarrass you or call you out, but I want to give you a chance to respond on the outside to what God's doing in your heart. Would you just slip your hand up if you have a need? If that's you, wow, wow, awesome, awesome. Father, you see so many needs. Lord, you see so many hands that are raised. 
people, Lord Jesus, who are in a desperate place like this lame man, people who are in a desperate place who are looking at themselves saying, if Jesus doesn't touch this situation, I'm going under. So God, right now in the stillness of this moment, I pray for healing. I pray for salvation. I pray for healing in in relationships. God, I pray for that marriage that is on the rocks. I pray that you would heal and do a miracle there, Lord. I pray for those finances, Lord, for the, the person who's here who's on the edge of bankruptcy today. And I pray for healing for them. God, I pray for the person who's here who's battled depression for months. That this would be the beginning of hope again. That by your supernatural power and spirit, you would raise them up. Jesus, for every need represented here today, I pray that you would move. Still praying in this moment, I want to ask another question because not only did Jesus heal this man, but he forgave him of his sin. And it's possible that some of us have come into this place today and there's sin in your life that you know it is sin, it's it's wrongdoing that has separated you from God. And we would miss a moment, we'd miss a chance, an opportunity. If we didn't pause in this moment right now, and give you an opportunity to confess that sin and say, okay, Jesus, forgive me of that sin. If you're here today and that's you, you need Jesus to forgive you. And you want to begin or or re-enter that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that's available to you. Would you just slip your hand up right now? Would you, if that's you, awesome, awesome. Thank you, thank you. God, you see these hands as well, Lord. And thank you, God, that you're not only big enough to heal our situations, but you're big enough to forgive us of sin. And so, Father, right now, for so many who in their heart are responding and many have lifted their hands, we pray that salvation would come today, that this is a day of salvation. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would forgive us of our sin. Your word says that if we confess it, that you'll forgive it, that you'll wash us clean. And so, God, we pray for that. And we thank you that it's done and that a right relationship between us and you has been restored through the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I pray that you would give us courage and strength today to take up our mat, to leave that old life, and to walk out of here a new creation. In Jesus' name. And all across this room, everyone said, Amen.